The gospel this morning is the ninth chapter of John. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it was someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But we do not know how it was that he now sees nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, he answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, you do not, not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, Were you born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. 
Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see me may say, then those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have not sinned. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. Word of God, word of life. Good morning. Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, for all the ways that you speak to us with a living word, uh, let this time to be bread for our journeys and draw us closer to you. Amen. There's a saying that goes, get out of the bleachers and onto the field. As I read and reread the story of healing and discipleship, I couldn't help but picture the disciples and the Pharisees in the bleachers watching the whole thing unfold like a sporting event, heckling and hurling insults and judgment while Jesus and the man born unable to see were on the field doing all of the hard lifting. Look carefully in this story and you will find layers upon layers of judgment that get in the way of the people of God being in relationship with God. The disciples get the party started with an offhanded remark as they walk by a man who was born unable to see. Surely to be in that condition, he must have done something morally offensive. Or was it his parents who committed the crime, they asked Jesus. The religious authorities get bogged down in questions about whether or not Jesus was a sinner, whether he was working on the wrong day at the wrong time, whether the healing and the man's own story of how Jesus was working in his life was genuine and real. My kids call these judgy McJudgerson moments. I'm not sure if that's an actual term or not. And we might believe that we are beyond these kinds of hurtful assumptions and judgments as we go about being in relationship with one another, but we are not at all immune. I admit it's hard to teleport back to the first century and put myself in the place of someone who has no knowledge of science or medicine, someone who would honestly and naturally attribute something like blindness to a moral sin. But as I was writing this sermon, no lie, I found myself fuming in judgment over the behavior of the misguided disciples, the legalistic Pharisees, and then maybe even the Christians down the road who might have different views than I do. I could keep going, but I think it's safer to stop here. I've made my point.
So no, I am not immune from judgment. We are not immune. Judgment and blame seep in and permeate our lives and our relationships and our communities and our relationship with God. I have a good friend who's a pastor in Wisconsin, and she's been out of the office on medical leave due to her chronic battle with depression, or her demons, as she likes to call them. In her lifetime, she has been peppered with all kinds of bizarre questions and judgments because of her ups and downs and her many acute hospitalizations. She tells the story of one person asking her, if you are really a Christian, why don't you pray and just ask God to fix you? To which she replied, yep, I'm a pastor, I've thought of that. Well, I guess you must not have a very strong faith then, the not-so-helpful person responded, otherwise you'd be fixed. I guarantee you, Oh, how she hopes to be fixed. But I believe what she prays for the most these days is to be brought back into her own version of abundant life, whatever that turns out to be. We might use different words and ask different questions in 2023, But we are not so different, are we, than the disciples who asked from the bleachers, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Some of this is just human nature, of course, when things we don't understand are happening, when danger looms, when someone is unfamiliar to us, we want to explain our differences away. I'm sure there's at least one psychologist in the pew this morning who could help us see that at the root of all of this, at some level, is a built-in human desire to stay safe and to protect ourselves and our families and loved ones. But sometimes I think about it this way, our judgments about others help us draw a line in the sand to keep our distance from all the complicated and hard things in life that we can't control or understand. If the man who is unable to see is on the other side of that line because of what he has done or what his parents have done, we know his affliction will never be something that impacts us. If the woman who has been hospitalized because of her mental health is there because she doesn't take care of herself or because she hasn't made good choices or because she doesn't pray faithfully enough, we can protect ourselves and those we love from suffering like she has. And yet, in the words of my dear friend, notice that when it comes to passing judgments, of the disciples of the, or the Pharisees as the miracle of healing the man unfolds, Jesus never takes the bait. The problem is that whenever we draw a line in the sand to separate ourselves from someone else, 
Jesus is always on the other side of that line. Jesus is always on the other side of the lines that we draw, making mud out of his spittle and sand or whatever ground is beneath his feet, drawing near to the one in need, blessing with the dust of the earth, creating out of nothing, opening eyes with whatever he has to work with. As poet Jan Richardson writes, anointing with a tender and grimy grace. Perhaps in this fourth week in the season of Lent, with the cross just almost in sight, we are all being called tenderly, of course, to get out of the bleachers and to get onto the field to get a little grimy, to engage just a little more directly in this steady stream of work with God that comes our way. Thanks be to God for always drawing near, for always seeking and bringing forth abundant life and relationship, and for a love that knows no insiders, no outsiders, no bounds. Amen.